you go ahead and have a seat this morning while uh, Called by Name takes a seat as well. Remember, it's uh, kids' camp time, so if you got one of those young ones that you want in there, go ahead. All right. Well, we're still in summer, right? Uh, it's been a nice, beautiful, hot, muggy summer here. And uh, so we're still in summer, so we're still doing a sightseeing uh, summer here. And uh, just to kind of get you on board again, if you, uh, if you look at the next slide here, guys, uh, you can see where we were last week, right? Remember where we were last week? We were on a hill, right? And that was one of the potential places. You can still kind of see that, that uh, face of the skull there on the hill. And uh, just to remind you where this is in Jerusalem, this is the alternative site. It's not the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's the alternative site. And one of the things that struck me about the site is this picture here, is you've got the hill up there where Jesus perhaps died, and right below the hill you've got the bus station. Right? Kind of a big irony. Right? But it's about the, uh, about the hecticness of life. That here you have this, this uh, sacred, potentially sacred site, and then yet in the midst of life uh, unfolding. You know, there's this, this bus station. And that what didn't show you uh, last week about this particular site is not only is the, uh, the hill there with the place of the skull, but uh, this is also a garden, and it's proposed at least that there's the garden tomb and you can kind of see the the garden tomb there and you see all the lush flowers around it and uh, proposed the actual burial place for Jesus and obviously place then where he rose uh, from the dead it was kind of a neat uh, place and what you that you can't see when I mean, you got the hill and you got the tomb but it's also a, just a, a lush garden so if you look at the next slide you can see the beautiful vegetation you kind of see the the tomb uh, tomb in the background there and uh, it's kind of a neat place. You've got the hill, you've got the tomb, you've got the bus station, you know. But in the middle of all of that, you just got this kind of oasis. This this place that's just kind of a place that you can retreat to and like the song we just sang, just to have some some silence and some quiet time just to listen for God to speak. Uh, we did that when we were there in, in this place. And the next picture can kind of help you understand how we did that. There you go. While we were in that place and with the, the hill over here, remembering how Jesus you know, could have died there, and, and the tomb over there, remembering how Jesus could have risen for my life there, and, and the bus station over there, remembering how you know life is just hectic and filled with noises and sounds and busyness and all that stuff. In the middle of all of that experience, here I stand in Israel, and I have the opportunity to just experience Jesus in simple bread and simple wine. I mean, it is kind of like an oasis for us, isn't it? The, the experience that we go through every week here when we come to the table is, is that experience of drawing away from the, the hecticness of life, kind of getting away from the bus stations that fill up our days and our lives and being able to, to draw away. Because as the next picture would remind us, the bus station was still there. The bus station was still there. And so we were able to kind of draw away from the hecticness of that experience. And while all that busyness was going on around us, there at kind of this oasis of a garden, we could take the time to just be quiet, listen, and let Jesus speak in the simple gifts 
of bread and wine. And that's exactly what he gave the meal for. He gave us this experience that we do every week here. He gave us this experience because he wanted to speak to us in a real life that we live. He wanted to get involved in a real life that we live. He wanted to unleash himself into that real life that we live. And he wanted to give us the opportunity to draw away and just spend time with him. If you go into uh, 1 Corinthians 11, and that's where all the verses are going to be uh, drawn from today, we have the experience of the Apostle Paul uh, telling us about the gift that we have in this giving of communion. If you go into 1 Corinthians 11, you look at start at verse uh, 23, he says an interesting thing there. He says, For I received from the Lord himself that which I pass on to you. It was given to me personally that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was treacherously delivered up, and while he, his betrayal was in progress, did you go ahead and have a seat this morning while uh, called by name takes a seat as well? Remember, it's uh, kids' camp time, so uh, you got one of those young ones that you want in there, go ahead. All right, well, we're still in summer, right? Uh, it's been a nice, beautiful, hot, muggy summer here. And uh, so we're still in summer, so we're still doing a sightseeing uh, summer here. And uh, just to kind of get you on board again, if you, uh, if you look at the next slide here, guys, uh, you can see where we were last week, right? Remember where we were last week? We were on a hill, right? And that was one of the potential places. You can still kind of see that, that uh, face of the skull there on the hill. And uh, just to remind you where this is in Jerusalem, this is the alternative site. It's not the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's the alternative site. And one of the things that struck me about the site is this picture here. Is you've got the hill up there where Jesus perhaps died. And right below the hill, you've got the bus station. Right? Kind of a big irony. Right? But it's about the, uh, about the hecticness of life. That here you have this, this uh, sacred, potentially sacred site, and then yet in the midst of life uh, unfolding. You know, there's this, this bus station. And that what didn't show you uh, last week about this particular site is not only is the, uh, the hill there with the place of the skull, but uh, this is also a garden, and it's proposed at least that there's the garden tomb, and you can kind of see the, the garden tomb there, and you see all the lush flowers around it, and uh, proposed the actual burial place for Jesus, and obviously placed then where he rose uh, from the dead. It was kind of a neat uh, place, and what you that you can't see when you got the hill and you got the tomb, but it's also a, just a, a lush garden. So if you look at the next slide, you can see the beautiful vegetation. You kind of see the the tomb uh, tomb in the background there, and uh, it's kind of a neat place. You've got the hill, you've got the tomb, you've got the bus station, you know. But in the middle of all of that, you just got this kind of oasis. This, this place that's just kind of a place that you can retreat to and like the song we just sang, just to have some, some silence and some quiet time just to listen for God to speak. Uh, we did that when we were there in, in this place. And the next picture can kind of help you understand how we did that. There you go. While we were in that place and with the, the hill over here, remembering how Jesus you know, could have died there, and, and the tomb over there, remembering how Jesus could have risen for my life there, and, and 
the bus station over there, remembering how, you know, life is just hectic and filled with noises and sounds and busyness and all that stuff. In the middle of all of that experience, here I stand in Israel, and I have the opportunity to just experience Jesus in simple bread and simple wine. I mean, it is kind of like an oasis for us, isn't it? The, the experience that we go through every week here when we come to the table is, is that experience of drawing away from the, the hecticness of life, kind of getting away from the bus stations that fill up our days and our lives and being able to, to draw away. Because as the next picture would remind us, the bus station was still there. The bus station was still there. And so we were able to kind of draw away from the hecticness of that experience. And while all that busyness was going on around us, there at kind of this oasis of a garden, we could take the time to just be quiet, listen, and let Jesus speak in the simple gifts of bread and wine. And that's exactly what he gave the meal for. He gave us this experience that we do every week here. He gave us this experience because he wanted to speak to us in a real life that we live. He wanted to get involved in a real life that we live. He wanted to unleash himself into that real life that we live. And he wanted to give us the opportunity to draw away and just spend time with him. If you go into uh, 1 Corinthians 11, and that's where all the verses are uh, going to be uh, drawn from today. We have the experience of the Apostle Paul uh, telling us about the gift that we have in this giving of communion. If you go into 1 Corinthians 11, you look at start at verse uh, 23, he says an interesting thing there. He says, For I received from the Lord himself that which I pass on to you. It was given to me personally that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was treacherously delivered up, and while he, his betrayal was in progress, took bread. Let me lift up a few things there. Isn't it interesting? Now, remember who's telling us. Is, this is the apostle Paul. Paul was not around the table that first night. Paul wasn't one of the apostles around the table. Remember, Paul is the one who is drafted to be the apostle to the Gentiles on the road to Damascus. So Paul wasn't there when Jesus took bread that first night. He wasn't there when Jesus took wine that first night. He wasn't part of that original experience. And yet, even though he's now on the road to Damascus and drafted into this apostleship, Jesus wants to make sure Paul understands this meal. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus, he says, personally spoke to me about the importance and the understanding of this oasis. And then he describes a little bit of it. He says, when he was on that night that he was treacherously delivered up and while, he was while his betrayal was what? In progress. You see those words? Here we have the experience of Paul being grafted in and Jesus saying, personally, I want you to understand this. And the first thing to understand is this takes place in real life. This is a real life thing. I mean, it was just unfolding. Jesus' life was just unfolding. It was just happening. Everything was going the way it was going to go that night when he, when he sat down with the other 11 at that table. And while his treachery and betrayal was in progress... Jesus gave us this meal 
to address your life the way it is right now, today, while it's in progress. This is a meal that's, that's here for us to speak to the experience of real life. It's about the bus stations that we have to go through in life. It's about the, the hecticness and the busyness and the pressure and the stuff that weighs on us and overwhelms us and the challenges and the disappointments and the heartaches. This meal was given to speak into the real life and it was given out of real life. Real life was in progress and it speaks to real life. I think that's why it's great that we do this every week at Christ Church. That we celebrate the meal every week. Why? Because real life happens every single week. True? Real life happens every single week. And God doesn't want to let a, let a moment of whatever your real life go by without being able to speak into that real life. And so he offers this gift, this opportunity, this oasis for us to, to draw away for a little bit and to come into this room with brothers and sisters in Christ and together at this table and once again to let Jesus be present. That's the next point, is to understand that it speaks to not only real life, but it brings a person into our, our real life. It is the, the real presence, the Jesus coming literally to us in his person in this meal. You can see it in the text when you go on in verse 23. It says, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. Similarly, when supper had ended, he took a cup also saying, This cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it to call me affectionately to remembrance. Notice I highlighted a couple of things for you there. When he said, when he took the bread and he talked about it, he said it was what? This is, it's him, right? It's him. I mean, you know, denominationally, we get all kind of bent out of shape on this stuff about, okay, what happens to the bread, what happens to the wine, what doesn't happen, what does happen. You know, beyond it all, just to look at the text and understand that Jesus chooses to be present. He wants to be personally involved in your life. And this is his way of guaranteeing that presence. You see, you can't come to the table, take bread and wine, and walk away and say somehow you didn't experience Jesus. No. He's saying, look, this is me. Okay? This is me. And I want to be personally involved in every experience in your life. And so every week when you draw away and you gather into this room and you bring all that life has been for that week and you come to the table, Jesus is there saying, hey, I'm here. I'm right here. Whatever's going on, whatever real life you're experiencing, I'm here. I'm right here. His promise is to be personally present in our experience. Now, Paul takes this so seriously that he even kind of puts out a warning to us to say, now make sure you understand that when you come to the meal. He says in verse 27, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a way that's unworthy of him will be guilty of profaning and sinning against... And I capped it for you, what? The body and blood of the Lord. His presence. When you come forward, you need to understand that's exactly what Jesus wants in this meal. 
He wants to be present personally for each one of you. For whatever's been in your week, whatever's been in your month, whatever is going on, He wants to be there present personally for you. I don't know about you. I need that. I need that. I, I just need to know every week and be reminded that Jesus is willing and chooses to personally invest himself in my life. Anybody else need that? Isn't that the way it is? Boy, what an awesome thing to come and to know. I mean, I've been in ministry for a while now, and it always amazes me when I'm in different experiences with, with individuals or families, circumstances, and things are really tough or the trying or the pressure's on and they're facing a difficulty. And, and somehow in the middle of that experience, we, we come to a place and say, let's just celebrate the meal. And we celebrate the meal, and everything changes. Everything changes. It's like things are just lifted up and, and, and the burden is kind of removed and all of a sudden there's a peace about the experience and the only thing I can point to is, of course, everything's different now. Why? Because Jesus is absolutely guaranteed He is personally involved in this situation. He is personally involved because He has come and been present in the simple gifts of bread and wine. It means that He comes to us personally and says, I am ready to take on the bus station in your life. Whatever it is. This meal is so important to us because it becomes that oasis that allows us to, to draw away a while and just experience the presence. Now here's the key. When he comes and when he gets present with us, he comes and he gets present with us and he encourages us to just remember to just remember. It's in the text as well. If you go back to the same verses, it says, He took bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he said, What? Do this. Right? And what's the last word? Something about remembering, right? Now, if you didn't get it the first time, notice he keeps on saying it. Similarly, when the supper ended, da-da-da-da-da, I highlighted for you the same words. Do this as often as you drink it to call me affectionately to remembrance. What does he want us to do? He wants us to remember. He wants us to remember. When you pull away from the bus stations of life and you come to this experience and Jesus says, look, I am really here for your real life. I'm going to get personally involved and attached to your experience of real life. He wants you to walk away and remember things have changed. Things have now changed. Because Jesus is personally involved. You walk away and remember. You see, the meal has always been about remembering. When Jesus was sitting at table with his disciples, he was celebrating the Passover. And the Passover, remember, was that meal that God told Moses, saying, now look, do this meal every year. Why? To remember. Remember what I did for you when I took you out of Egypt and freed you from slavery. Remember what I did for you by the Red Sea when the uh, Egyptians were pressing upon you and I parted the waters. Now do this so that you don't forget and you remember how I rescued you. We do the meal and we remember. Jesus is personally involved and he is the one that can rescue me from whatever I face.
He is personally involved. And He is the only one that can truly rescue me from whatever it is I face. He can rescue me from the the slavery of whatever is pressing upon me in this world. He can rescue me from, from the guilt of whatever it is I did in this past week of which I'm ashamed. He can rescue me from whatever it is that is pressing hard against my family. He can rescue me. Remember. You see, when we come to the meal and he gets personally involved, he whispers in our ear and he calls us to just remember that we don't walk alone. Remember the one who claims us. And now he gets even more uh, intimate about that remembering, and he focuses the remembrance. If you go back to the same words again, he says, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to call me effectually remembrance. Similarly, when the supper had ended, he took the cup also, saying, ah, kept those words for you. You ready? This cup is a new what? Covenant. This is a new covenant. So remember, remember not only how I've rescued you in the past, remember how I am the one who rescued but remember I signed on the dotted line for this job. I've made a covenant with you. I have made an agreement with you, Jesus is saying. Remember, look, I am there investing myself personally into your life, and I've signed a covenant that says I will preserve and keep you. Remember. He's got an agreement. The good thing about agreements that God makes, God never fails to fulfill one of his agreements. He always does. In the meal, we remember and we hear Jesus making that commitment to us again that says, look, he has made a covenant with us. He has made an agreement with us. And we can face whatever we have to face because now life gets elevated higher. Because Jesus is involved, and he's the one that rescues, and he promises to fulfill that rescue. That's why we do it over and over and over again. Because every week we can come and remember and claim that promise, that covenant over our lives. The text would uh, challenge us and say it this way. It says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes. Notice he starts out saying for every time. How many times? Every time. Every time. Every time you withdraw off the world and you come to this oasis of his meal, every single time, he is ready to rescue and fulfill that agreement and that covenant he made with you. And every time he calls us to remember and think on it, how he is the God that rescues. And remember, he gave up his life. He gave up his life for your rescue. That he personally invested himself on a hill outside Jerusalem so that whatever it is that you're being burdened with, whatever it is you're feeling guilty about, whatever it is that's pressing upon you, you can leave it behind. It's part of the agreement. It's part of the covenant. That every time when you come here and you come to this room and you come to this table, he is right here and he's saying, look, I'm willing to take it again. I'm willing to take it again. I don't know about you, but I had a, I had a great week. I had a busy week. We got a lot done around here. 
But you know what? I didn't live up to everything God wanted in my life last week. How about you? Isn't it true? I didn't live up to everything He wanted in my life last week. But I can come to the table this week and ask for another chance. I can come to the table this week and examine myself and be able to say, I'm going to trust in the covenant that you're willing to forgive me once again. Isn't that awesome good news? Now, if anybody feels like shouting amen or praise the Lord, that's okay. Because that's how we ought to feel, isn't it? I mean, listen to everything I just shared with you so far this morning. Isn't it awesome? Huh? Holy cats, what a great God we have. What an awesome God we have. Do you listen to what I just shared with you so far this morning? That you can come here and Jesus is going to personally get involved in whatever your situation is. You can come here and leave any burden, guilt, whatever it is. You can come here and from now on your life is going to be elevated and he guarantees it and he covenants it. That is an awesome thing. And when you come, you bring the amen and you bring the praise of the Lord to the table. He he says it this way, the Apostle Paul does in verse 28. He says, let a man thoroughly examine himself and only when he's done so should he eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discriminating and recognizing with due appreciation that it is Christ's body, eats and drinks a sentence or a verdict of judgment upon himself. What's supposed to be in the middle of this whole thing? Some due appreciation. Do you see that? Some due appreciation. It is awesome for us to be able to come to this oasis. It is awesome for us to be able to come here and know that the guarantee is given in Jesus, that we can be forgiven and our lives can be different. It is awesome to come here and know that if our marriage isn't everything God wants it to be, He's ready to get personally involved in it. If our work isn't everything that God wants it to be, He's ready to get personally involved in it. Whatever it is in our life, we can bring it here and we can present it to Him and we can know it's part of the covenant and He's ready to invest. When we come, we come with due appreciation that says, God, You are awesome. You are incredible. You are fantastic. You are so beyond words. Isn't it true? And it happens in a room just like this every week because we take simple bread and we take simple wine. Now, here's the cool thing. We walk that process. We come through this experience. You know what's waiting for us outside these walls when we go out the doors this morning? The bus station. I heard somebody say it. The bus station, right? The bus station's still out there. You know, we were in that garden and, and the, the hill was there and the tomb was there. And we celebrated the sacrament. It was an awesome praise the Lord experience. It was fantastic. But you know what? We went outside the gate of that garden and the bus station was still there. It was still there. And when you go out the doors this morning, the bus station of whatever it is in your life that's challenging you is still going to be there. But now you go out a different person. You see, this meal guarantees that you don't go out and face it alone anymore. This meal guarantees that when you go out there, you go out there as a new person with a new attitude, with a new opportunity. This meal guarantees that when you go out there to face whatever it is that's back there in life for you, 
you go out there and Jesus, the one who is greater than anything else in this world, is walking with you. What a meal. What an oasis. And when we go out there, all of a sudden we discover the more we come here and we share this meal, the more we experience that presence of Jesus, that when we go out there, we start seeing things different. What, what the Apostle Paul encouraged us was, was to start just seeing one another different. Start experiencing one another different because you've experienced this meal. He, he put it this way in verse 33. So then, my brothers, when you gather together to eat the Lord's Supper, wait for one another. Where's our focus supposed to be? Not on ourselves saying, yeah, I'm going to be first in line to get the meal, but somebody else, right? Somebody else. Make sure you wait on one another. Make sure that your focus just isn't on you. You see, when we take the meal, it binds us together with everybody else at the table. It binds us together so that we don't have to face it alone anymore. And we can begin to look to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that great? You see, when we get done with the meal, when we go out, our focus changes and we can see things differently. Uh, The writer of Hebrews uh, understood it this way. He said in verse 9, But we will be able to see Jesus, who was ranked lower than the angels for a little while, crowned with glory and honor because of his having suffered death, in order that by the grace, unmerited favor of God, to us sinners, he might experience death for who? For every individual person. When we celebrate this meal, it changes the way we see things. It changes the way we see other people in Christ. And Hebrews tells us that if we really take this meal serious, we'll be able to see Jesus on Monday and Wednesday and Friday. That that the more we're in tune, the more we gather at the table, and the closer we are repeatedly to Jesus, the more we're going to be able to see him out there in the world. You see, if he has made that promise where we started today that says he is ready to personally invest himself in your life, it means he's going to invest himself on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday just as he does on Sunday. And so as you're walking out there and as you're experiencing life out there in the bus station, look for Jesus. Look for Jesus. It's part of the covenant. It's part of the agreement. It says he's willing to be invested in real life, not just in this room, but at the bus station. He's ready to be invested in real life. Look for him. Look for him. It was easy to see him in the garden, the hill, the empty tomb, the sacrament. It was easy. When you go outside the garden, you got to look for him. The promise is he's right there. He's right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gifts you bring to life. And we are awestruck at the amazing gift you bring us through the simple things of bread and wine. The gift that you make yourself known to us. That that you invest in our lives personally that you covenant to forgive us and renew us and to relieve the burden. And you give us brothers and sisters that we can see. And as we go out back into the world, you promise to go with us.
Father, we ask this day that as we gather at the oasis, as we gather here, make yourself known in these simple gifts. Make it clear to our minds, to our hearts, to our eyes, to our senses. Make it clear that we can know how forgiven we are, how loved we are, and how much you want for us in life. We pray it through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.